Olympic ball test is upon us. So just how many day nights will it last? Will that brutal blow have a lasting impact on Usman Khawaja? Michael Clark gives us his thoughts. Plus, should the Big Bash be condensed? Aaron Finch thinks so. Let's go around the wicket. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Around the Wicket. I'm Narrowly Meadows. Great to have your company and great to have Callum Ferguson and the officially recently done and dusted retired Aaron Finch at the desk. Must feel good. Very good. A lot more relaxing these days. <laughs> Love to have you on Around the Wicket joining us as part of the official team right throughout Fincher. You're still part of our team, which is the important Thank thing. <laughs> Speaking of teams, there's been some news just in and an old teammate of yours, Jake Fraser-McGurk, is mm. getting his opportunity potentially to make his debut for the Green and Gold. Just 21 years of age, he's come into the ODI squad today to replace Glenn Maxwell, who's been deemed unavailable through a bit of soreness, a bit of injury. Also, Xavier Bartlett comes in as a quick for the injured Jai Richardson. Mm. How do you feel about this for Jake? It's a great move, I think. He, he's got so much talent. We've seen the skill level that he can play at. I mean, players like this don't come around every day, do they, Ferg? So, no. so you, you've got to get them in young, get them around the Australian cricket team environment because that, that, that's a difficult place and it's a place where, where the first time you come in, you can be out of your depth at times. So the, the earlier that he comes in, the better. How special is he going to be? Oh, very special, I think. Uh, he's made his first first-class 100 this year. He made, a, made the fastest domestic one-day 100 in the history of the game <laughs> earlier this year, which is something because yeah. he's knocked off AB de Villiers of all players. <laughs> so he's got all the assets that you need. He's got great strike power. But I also think he's got the ability to hit 360, so yeah. it's not just slogging to the leg side or down the ground. He hits all around the ground. He's, mm. he's got a huge future ahead of him. T20 World Cup this year. Do you think he's a chance, as they look to a bit of youth with an ageing team, that he could make that squad? Yeah, I think that, that there's a really good case for him. I think there's a few others in front of him, I think, just for the versatility of Matt Short, who was at the top of the order but has played for Australia in the middle order. So I think there'll be a little bit of competition there should they go with that direction but he's well and truly in the conversation it's going to be one to watch isn't yeah. he a star of the future great to see him in the green and gold uh, squad at the moment and just before we move on Michael Clark joining us shortly but mm. Ferg you were in Adelaide for all two and a bit days yes. of that test and you got to witness Travis Head the local boy do it live you would have been happy as the Prince of Adelaide is it oh, they call you oh no come on don't give me that one but uh <laughs> Hedy's well and truly got the keys to Adelaide now Travis just keeps making the runs when everyone else is struggling yeah. in tricky conditions. We've seen it for years now. Bell Reeve Oval a few years ago. Gabber in a two-day test last year as well against South Africa. He stands up in big games. Test Championship this year. World Cup finals. Extraordinary mm -hmm. talent in big games. You can't buy that on the shelf. He also gets player of the match in the games and in the post-match celebrations Always. as oh, well. Yes. Right across we the board. He's a all-rounder <laughs> when it comes to that. And he did get player of the match in Adelaide, which is a little controversial. So we'll have that discussion after the break with Michael Clark, because it was, of course, also Josh Hazelwood who was on fire. Oh, he's flying at the moment, isn't he? Um, yeah, just, you know, Getting up to test level uh, in terms of getting your body ready for test cricket, you, you know, once you're up there, you're okay. But if you if you kind of have an injury and you're set back, it's sometimes hard to get going. So I think he just had some injuries at the wrong times over the last couple of years and missed a couple of key um, key series. But yeah, he's back to 
yeah, I guess the Joshy that we all remember and know and um, just shows his worth to the team with the new ball. He can strike early and have him two or three down before you kind of know it. Um, but just right-handers, left-handers, basically all conditions, he, he finds a way. And as a captain, it's pretty easy to give him the ball and just know he's going to go to work. And um, yeah, he's showed his class on two very different wickets. Oh, well, I had a few conversations with the boys in the dressing room. Uh, I told them that I would get a wicket on my first ball, but I didn't know it was Steve Smith. So <laughs> I think that that went well for me. He's one of my favourite players. To be fair, I, I really love Steve Smith. The way that he plays and go about his cricket and getting Steve Smith, uh, I remember this for the rest of my life. I, I'll actually take a picture with that nickel and post it up in my house. <laughs> Did the uh, second wicket feel as good as the first one? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and the six of Josh Hazel? Oh, that was amazing for me. You know, hitting Josh for a six is really good for me. I, he, I think he's really consistent. He's most, uh, the most consistent bowler I've ever faced so far in my career. So hitting him for a six motivates me a lot. So I think I could hit any batsman now. <laughs> any bowler. Oh, really? Sorry. Do you think you might move up the batting order? Um, well, I'm not sure. 11 good for me so far. Number <laughs> 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 11 good for me so far. What a fantastic character, Shamar Joseph, doing it with bat and ball and in front of the media in his test debut in Adelaide. We'll talk about him shortly, but Michael Clark joins us now. Pup, thanks for coming on Around the Wicket once more. Another thing that Shamar Joseph thanks, did was cop Usman Khawaja high in the head, real brutal mm. blow, and that saw Usman Khawaja go off the ground when there was only one run required. That kind of blow at this point in a player's career, can it stay in the back of your mind and affect the mindset? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, yeah, look, he's a super talent. There's no doubt about it. With both bat and ball. Um, I think what it will do for Uzi, who plays the short ball pretty well, he's got a beautiful pull shot. Um, but I think some teams now will probably try that as a plan B. And generally you do that to a lot of batters anyway. But I think Uzi, who has probably been extremely comfortable playing that short ball, it will be something that might be in the back of his mind now. I think West Indies particularly, they now go to the Gabba. That pitch will have a bit more pace and bounce, certainly under lights. I think if they don't nick Uzi off early, then I think they'll go to that. Uh, even put two blokes back and, and try and target that short pitch bowling. But like I say, he plays it pretty well. Um, he's a little older now than when he started. And I think generally things don't move as quickly as they probably do when you're a youngster. But yeah, I think more than anything, if I was the West Indies, uh, I'd probably use that early in Uzi's innings if he does play at the Gabba just to let him know that he's going to cop a fair few of them, just to try and play with his mind more than anything else. But I don't think it was going to be too concerned because he plays the short ball well. Finchie, as you got to the end of your career, was it genuinely something you were a bit more fearful of or aware of? Oh, not in the game. I think once you get out in the middle and your adrenaline starts pumping and you're, you're looking to take the bowlers on, then, then that fear doesn't come into it. For me personally, it was more so... Uh, in the nets, that I started to get quite worried about it, and, and almost bat to to survive the net session and, and not get hurt, mm. rather than looking to improve all the time. So for me, that was just the main difference. Shamar Joseph, though, what a star pup! How do we keep him? That's mm. the question. How do we make sure he sticks around and wants to play Test cricket for a, a long time to come? 
I think, you know, the answer to that, cash is king. Uh, it's going to come down to money, unfortunately. You know, you look at this West Indies team, they're very inexperienced, very young, super talented. So if they could keep this same squad for five years, I think West Indies Creed gets back to where they want to be. The problem they've got is the West Indies players, are, you know, their highest paid player might be getting 200000 US in regards to a contract. That same player is now going to get an offer for IPL for $1.5 million. So, oh, look, he's a superstar uh, and he's only been around for, for five minutes. So I think he's got to go through ups and downs. He's probably going to have a few injuries as a young fast bowler, but he looks like he can bat a bit as well. Um, and his personality is fantastic. So it's, it's, it's been a great start for him in his test career. Um, as he just mentioned, getting his favourite player out first ball probably helps as well. But... Now, you know, he's going to be approached by a number of different franchises around the world to go and be a part of their setup, and um, that's going to be a, a huge risk for West Indies cricket. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it works these days. I don't know how you, I don't know how the countries that are not getting paid significant amounts of money to play. Uh, for their play, players to play for them, uh, and I'm probably talking about the big three, Australia, England and India, all the other countries, it's very hard to hang on to your players now. So that's a challenge West Indies are going to face. I hope for Test cricket's sake and for West Indies cricket's sake, they can keep this squad together for a long time. Pop, we just saw the image there of Shamar Joseph asking Steve Smith to tie up his shoelace as well while he was batting. Yeah. If a debutant came to you when you were at the tail end of your career, how would you have responded? Oh, I think you'd I think you'd bend down and do their shoelace up. But yeah, yeah, I think you can see when he's walking up to Smitty as well. He's very he's uncertain. Do I ask? Do I not ask? What do I do? But I oh, look, I, yeah, I think it's great. I think it's. Um, I'm respectful of Smitty as well. I think if he needed someone to do his lace-up, they'd do it. So it's no different as an Australian or an experienced Australian player. It all makes no difference. But amazing story. You know, where he's come from in such a short space of time, um, again, I'm trying to be as complimentary and gentle as I can on this West in young West Indies team. But, you know, we need, the Australian summer needed someone from this West Indies team to stand up and just be a story for us. And he's done that so far in this first test. I, I hope there's a, a batsman from the West Indies team that can stand up and do it in this second test at the Gabba. I just love the fact that as Steve Smith walked away, you could see him sort of shaking his head and enjoying <laughs> the moment of what just happened as well. But Pup said earlier, cash is king. I tell you what, a couple of bat sponsors, those sort of things will help. Surely he doesn't have a plain bat for this second test from our Joseph. Oh, you couldn't possibly. I mean, what did he bring to the table? He brought sixes, he brought wickets. So I think he's going to offer yeah. someone something. So fingers crossed for him. One of those sixes came off the bowling of Josh Hazelwood, who took nine for 79 throughout that match. Pup, was he a little <sighs> unlucky not to be named player of the match do you think yep definitely should have got man of the match I think that's a no-brainer Travis said innings was exceptional on a pretty tough batting wicket but now you take nine wickets um, I think this happens a lot in sport though as well in cricket generally like we see it with Alan Border medal and things like that it generally goes to the batter man of the matches um, NFL goes to the quarterback uh, rugby league goes to the halfback or hooker like that's that happens and it's yeah, I, I don't think the individual cares. Too. I don't think Josh would, would really care. But I think if you're taking nine wickets in a test match versus a player getting 100, 
Um, I think Josh deserved it. And that's taking nothing away from Travis. I think that was a, a great innings and his form continues. He continues to score runs under pressure and deserves the credit that he gets. But uh, I think Josh was brilliant. I think he has been for a long time. There was some doubts around his, his fitness in regards to getting back into test cricket. Um, but he's proved a lot of people wrong. And, yeah, th- this attack, is it's been stellar. Honestly, they, there's, there's a lot of talk about a number of different attacks that have represented Australia, but these four, they've got to be up there in the conversation. Well, you played, you caught the end of the, the Warren McGrath, those types. What do you think? Who is the best ever attack for Australia, and perhaps even globally? But we've never seen an attack where each four of the bowlers have more than 250 wickets, and that's what's happening right now. Yeah, and again, these guys deserve a lot of credit. I think I, pro- I don't. I don't think they deserve. I don't think they get the credit they probably deserve. They've copped a lot of criticism, um, but as a combination, they work really well together. If Starkey's not firing, and then Paddy Cummins comes on and takes wickets. If Hazelwood's not getting wickets, then Lino's taking wickets. So I think they deserve a lot more credit than they've received. But I guess my mind probably goes to who would I prefer to face? Who would worry me more in regards to getting me out? I think Glenn McGrath would have found extremely difficult to to survive against and he didn't give you a bad ball. So it's hard for me not to put Pigeon on that pedestal as a fast bowler. And then I can guarantee I'd rather face anybody else than Shane Warne. You know, any team with Warne in it was a better team. (laughs) So I don't think it's fair to compare eras, but McGrath and Warne, I can't go past those two. So it would be those two. Plus, I'd find another two fast bowlers, and that's a that's a tough conversation. But um, as a combination, these four are brilliant. These four are the best in the world, in my opinion. Um, all conditions around the world, they're finding a way to take wickets, and I think that's the key. It's not just about individual statistics. It's about taking 20 wickets and winning games for your country. So this summer, I think they're they're doing what's expected of them. Next summer might be a little bit more difficult. You know, India have come here and had success against the Australian attack. So let's see how they go next summer. But at the moment, they've been just about perfect. And they play across all forms. You've captained them as well in white ball cricket Mm. and quite a bit of white ball cricket. Josh Hazelwood, as we just saw there, one wicket away from cracking the top ten and test level of equaling Dizzy Gillespie. So that's how good this group of bowlers are. But Josh Hazelwood in particular... He's an interesting bloke because he's so cool, calm, collected. Is he like that everywhere? He's exactly like that everywhere he goes. He he doesn't, I guess, go out of his comfort zone a huge amount. But what he does, he's just got the utmost respect of everybody around the cricket world. And, and anybody who meets him, they, they love him because he's such a genuine person. I think the fact that he's always been tagged as a test bowler and everyone could see the success he could have there. But how well he's upskilled to become a great ODI bowler and a great T20 bowler now. Mm. And to become somebody who's had so much success uh, over three formats of the game shows longevity. But upskilling when you're already at the top of your game is such an incredibly tough thing to do because you can get so caught up in the fact that you do things really well and this is what I do, so I want to keep doing them. But to take time out and to be able to say, you know what, I need to add this to my game or I need to add that to my game or, or a new variation. That just goes, shows a great work ethic but also a humility as well that, that you, can, you can see whatever he does is for the betterment of the team. 
And one thing that I love about Josh, we spoke about Travis Head and the celebrations and off the field. doesn't matter how many beers Josh sinks, he is exactly the same. <laughs> yes. He's a typical country bloke. At the end of the night, when everyone else gets just a little bit messy, Josh will still be Josh. That's right. Unaffected. <laughs> Unaffected, yeah, that's exactly. Right. Just on the bowling, though, the one criticism pup for quite a few months now has been that 10th wicket partnership and getting that 10th wicket. What do they need to do differently? Do they need to be targeting the stumps a little more? Because as we saw throughout the Adelaide test, that's not happening. And Pat Cummins is the skipper. Oh, yeah. I don't, geez, we're, we're clutching at straws if we're going to be critical of them for anything, to be <laughs> honest. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, you can, I don't know, what do you do, bowl more at the stumps. I, I, I was generally the opposite as, as a captain. I... I had the aggressive approach to the tail, so I know they've copped some criticism about bowling too short, but it's hard for me to criticise. That was my take to the fast bowlers as well. It was um, really capitalised on that short pitch bowling to push the tail ender back and let him know that you're going to cop as many bounces as we can give you, and then the occasional ball attack the stump. So... I don't know. You, yeah, if you're getting 10 of them out, you probably don't have to change too much to get 11. So that that's probably the message that Paddy Cummins would be uh, presenting to the team, to just keep it simple and, and let's not change too much. Let's not think about batting before we're batting. Let's not, you know, go too aggressive on short pitch bowling. Let's just do whatever we're doing for the first 10 and just, yeah, try and finish our job. That's all it is. Maybe a broken arm or two, Pup. Uh, you think something a little differently, though. Sorry. Oh, I think that, yes, the short ball tactic works, but, but I think that also it can be, it can be really difficult to, to contain runs as well during that period. And, I mean, tailenders are just swinging for the fences, so get it away from them. They'll, they will make a mistake. There's not tailenders who are prepared to grind it out. Mm. So, uh, for me, I, I think they need to be a little bit a little bit smarter with how they use it. Pup, we're running out of time, but I can't let you go without getting your predictions for this day-night test at the Gabba. How quick are we talking? Mm, uh, Australia need to lose the toss and be sent into bats. If Australia win the toss and bowl first, I'm praying it goes into day three. <laughs> I'm nervous, though. I don't know if it's touching day three. There you go. If Australia bowl first. Mm. And you're a bit worried about Mitch Stark with a pink ball. Mitch Stark with a pink ball is lethal. <laughs> uh, the, what I saw Ooh. with the techniques of the West Indies players and their attitude to um, grinding out a, a total, it's not going to look good. And Stark is bowling with that pink ball. It's like Haley's Comet coming at you down the other end. It's nightmarish <laughs> and it hits you back before you're expecting it. It's going to be hard work for him. But great to get your thoughts as yeah. always. We'll see you after this test, however long it lasts. Don't go anywhere on Around the Wicket. We're going to chat Big Bash after this short break. Looking at test cricket and, and looking at how competitive other teams are, a lot of, and we're coming up against West Indies after the new year, a lot of their players have gone to T20 leagues. So a way to potentially get around it is almost to follow how women's cricket is and how they got test cricket back in, and that's a multi-format series. Mm. So create points for the ODIs, the tests, the one-off tests and T20s. 
Lisa Stalaker, the Hall of Famer, joined us on Around the Wicket a month ago and in recent days there's been articles written about that very idea. So, Lisa, you're on to it first. Finchie, is there some merit in what she's saying? Teams like the West Indies, should we be maybe looking at the women's format, which is a multi-format, instead of a couple of tests? I think it's definitely an option, but I think you'll still get the same result because there'll still be a test match there. Teams, you need to rejig your team, different players for different formats. So I think the, the standard of the test match would still be the same. They'd still be more invested in the, the white ball components of the series. Um, depending on how many tests and one days or T20s there were, you almost the l- lower ranked teams would f- almost forego that test match. Say, right, we'll put our eggs in the in the white ball basket and still try and win it. So, yeah, it's a good option, but I, I still think we'll face the same problems. You're a white ball great, but you always valued that baggy green above all else. Yeah. How worried are you about test cricket at the moment? Oh, I think test cricket's in a little bit of danger, to be honest. I think there needs to be a lot more investment uh, worldwide to, to keep players playing it. And, but I think it also goes to the boards. The, the boards need to prioritise test cricket in their own country. Like, I mean, we're seeing South Africa send a severely undermanned team because mm. they're prioritising their own T20 uh, domestic comp. And I understand that that's a cash flow thing and they need the, the money and there's a lot of investment in that. But I, that's, that's a difficult one. To, but I, I do have some serious concerns about it. Speaking of rejigging things, is it time that the Big Bash needs to be even more condensed? Because as you say, it's going up against the SA20 right now, losing international players, mm. the ILT20 as well. Your thoughts? Yeah, it has to. It has to be brought as tight as possible. Uh, I think that when we see how close the, the SA T20 is to the Big Bash, it's actually overlapping. Um, that's not OK going forward. We need to try and make sure that the Big Bash is as tight as possible. But also with the mind, uh, with the foresight that we need to make sure Australian players are as accessible to this competition as possible as well. So there's a bit of water to go under the bridge to get it right, but I think it needs to be tighter. I think other competitions have sensed an opportunity to be able to overlap with the Big Bash yeah. because it, there's been... There's been almost a compl- complacency at time on how important and how big the Big Bash is in the world picture. Going for eight weeks, uh, you're not attracting the best players in the world for the money that we pay. When you can go to South Africa or you can go to the ILT20, earn just as much money but in two and a half or three weeks, mm. uh, not get taxed on it either. So, yes. so th- there's another component to it. So I think keep, con- t- keep condensing it because the... People want to play in the best competitions, but if it's six weeks even, that's a long time over the Christmas break to be away from your family. Some tournaments are actually at the point of being able to play for three weeks and be done with the tournament. So you're almost, in the same length of time you're playing a big bash, able to play two tournaments and double your money. So something has to change. There's talk that the ACT could come in as well. There's also talk that the draft needs to go. What do you think about those two things? Yeah, I agree the draft needs to go. I, I, I think it's... To have the draft so late in the year, people are already committing to the other leagues because they're able to sign direct with teams. So then, then you get the what uh, Adelaide Strikers and mm. Brisbane Heat, where guys are going off to other tournaments because they're already committed to it. Let let teams be able to sign players now. If if Sam Billings wants to sign for for the Brisbane Heat or the Melbourne Renegades, I don't think it should matter. Mm. Um, what was your other question? ACT. ACT. I think there's not enough. There's not enough. I think we're already a bit thin at the moment with the talent pool to get another side in. Mm. I think the obvious one is that the Sydney Thunder, they move to to Canberra. I think the Melbourne Renegades eventually will move to Geelong and I think that that would then start to develop a, a bigger fan base and also, I mean, 
makes sense to me personally. Fascinating stuff from Aaron Finch there. We know how long you've had a deep involvement in the Big Bash and how much you care about it as well. So everything you're saying comes from a place of wanting it to be great. Oh, absolutely. Right. It, yeah. it, it, it is a great product and, and I've loved playing at Marvel for, for the last 13 years, but I think there will become a time when when footy starts to come earlier and earlier and the yep. squeeze comes on again. And uh, I think that we, you have to look at all those different options. Don't go anywhere because after this short break, we're going to get stuck into the short stuff. Time to take on the short stuff. England are in India. How are they going to go? And I'm going to see a little bit of baseball. I think we'll definitely see baseball, but I don't think it'll work overly well in India. Uh, the wickets, they'll deteriorate quickly. They're already going to spin from the start. And with Harry Brook not being there for personal reasons, I think that's a huge blow to their middle order. The last bit you said with a serious face, the first bit I couldn't help but notice the giant smile on your face as you said, they're probably not going to go that well with baseball. Two super <laughs> overs, speaking of India, yes. up against Afghanistan. Incredible scenes. But Rohit Sharma retired out and then came back, back to mm. bat again. Right or wrong? Absolutely right. No problems with me. The only thing I'd say is why aren't bowlers allowed to bowl in both because it's a rule overs. of the game. I'm, I'm hearing you can't that. bowl back-to-back -back overs. You yeah. can't bat if you're already out. Yeah, so they've got to change the rules. But I think Rohit Sharma at the moment is within his rights to bat twice. No because chance. It's in the rule. It's, it's in, in the rules. Out. He's it's retired out. If he's retired hurt, he can come back. <laughs> Love the rubbish. passion. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Peterson has come out on Twitter and said 100 metre six should be worth 12 and it's happening. He said it's happening. We don't know where it's happening and you never know with KP. Do you like it? Uh, not really. I think that then it's just tailored to a handful of players around the world. So uh, not with you on this one, KP. I'm off it. I don't like it because it's all computer generated. So how do you know? A bit like DRS. Would it have gone 100? Should, a little drive-by there, should a test start on a Wednesday? No, it doesn't work. And particularly you've got to read, I think, the, the room and, and the, the schedule that's coming up. If you've got the West Indies coming up, it looks like a bit of a mismatch. Don't start it on a Wednesday. You might not make the weekend. And Finally, we who are you going to miss most? Warner, this bloke, or Sauce? I'm going to miss this Oh, no, nah, this bloke here. Join us next time. <laughs>